This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Good, and I am joined by the man who once got so drunk on vodka that he attempted to cut his own fringe and cut his ear, and our own resident undertaker, a man who in the last couple of weeks has literally risen again from the dead with Limp Biscuit blaring in his ears. I'm joined by Chris and Garth. How are we, lads? I had a stunning week. Rolling, 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 rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I had a realization this week. A realization? Yes. Go on. If we follow the natural curve of things, sex robots will one, be, will one day be capable of murder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. And Garth, how's your week been? All right. Yeah. Um, it's uh, just. It seems like it's been a long time since uh, the band's been together. Nineteenth um, of March. Because it's still on. It's when we last called co- each other on Skype. <laughs> That's almost a month. That's so almost... Uh, I think this is a. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Garth's full on Hogan, any? No, Garth's Hogan. Nash. Garth's Nash. No, what I'm thinking. No, I'm just here thinking... for the money. <laughs> what I'm is just in terms of like logistics. Um, Rob's the tall guy, so he has to be Nash. And my calf I mean, is fucked as well, so it makes sense. <laughs> And then, like, Gaff was um, the um, the guy who came in with you. And then, I'm the third man. So, hang on. What you're saying is, you, the person (laughs) who outright hates Hogan, you are Hulk Hogan, Garth is Scott Hall, and I'm Kevin Nash. No, I'm John Cena. Actually, no, I'd be Scott Hall, because I'm the liability of the group, aren't I? (laughs) Oh, one billion percent. One billion percent. That's the best parallel you've ever drawn, my friend. To be completely fair, like, we were both singing really loud to annoy Garth and whoever's moving in Glasgow. Not Glasgow, in Blackpool. We were. We were. Speaking of Garth, how are you feeling now, my friend? I'm all right, yeah. I've, uh, I've beat that virus. Beat it down. Uh, just like... I was beaten down by Braun. Um, <laughs> but I'm still, but it's still lingering. The cough in my chest, like Braun in the background with a little, <laughs> that little shit that he teamed with. He was lingering in the background still. Nicholas. Nicholas. He'll be back one day. Don't you disparage Nicholas? He's the youngest champion in WWE history, beating Rene Dupree. Yeah, let's forget that. 
that's <laughs> that's a collective sigh on the front of every single person who considers himself a wrestling fan, Chris. Thank you for reminding us of that. Um, anyway, um, this week, obviously, we are looking again at AEW Dynamite. Not doing a watch-along, because who's got two and a half hours to spend listening to us mumble bollocks over the top of your favourite wrestling show? So instead, we're going to our review style. So we're looking at the 8th of April. Um, let's start with Garth. You've been missing a while. What did you think about this show, my friend? I thought the show, the matches and stuff were all pretty decent. Um, average sort of TV matches. But honestly, I think if it wasn't for Jericho on commentary, this would just have been an average show. But Jericho just elevated it at least two stars. It was fucking in- incredible. Chris? I, I would have oh, him sorry. on commentary every week. You'd have him on commentary every week. He was brilliant. Him and Tony Schiavone's chemistry was fantastic. And whenever Jericho either got confused or didn't know what was going on, he just referenced Kiss, which was absolutely amazing. And he can do that all he wants, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Chris, what did you think overall of this week's show? Um, to be honest, I d- I'm, on a we- I'm-, I'm on a weird curve because I watched NXT beforehand, which was a wank show this week. Like, completely... Like- Maybe the worst hour of television from like when Gagano started wrestling to when he finished. It's amazing how far that man has fallen. But I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun show. There was a bit, there's something for everyone. Um, Kenny Omega was there to make Garth happy. Um, Orange Cassidy was also there to make Garth happy. Um, we also had Brody Lee there to make everyone happy because he's joined the Dark Order. And Jericho was on commentary to make all of us happy. I mean, Matt Hardy showed up. It was was fun. I I had fun. I must admit, there was a couple... I agree with you, Garth, I think, match match quality-wise, and I think we're going to see this, especially over the next couple of weeks, until we get back to something that represents normality. We're going to have, you know, squash matches like we did here with Lance Archer and Brody Lee, and basically just, you know, matches that don't really matter. Um, On the other hand, I thought... um, Shivani and Jericho were absolutely fantastic on commentary, and we'll give uh, we'll definitely be talking about them later on. Um, I thought <laughs> a, co- a few of the promos were really, really, really well done. I thought the Jake Roberts one to open the show was great. Um, I thought the Matt Hardy segment, I've never laughed so much at a segment <laughs> as when Matt Hardy is trying to articulate to people that Jericho was sitting in a hot tub in leather pants. I thought that was really, really legitimately funny. Um, and yeah, I thought they're doing a fantastic job of building to Moxley versus Hager next week. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the actual promos because there's something I want to say regarding that, but I think they are doing a fantastic job of building Hager as a fucking behemoth, as someone who can legitimately not only beat Moxley, but can destroy Moxley as well, even though we know it won't happen, especially not in front of no fans. Um, But Chris, I will say, I I do, I sort of, um, I noticed for the first time, the first person that Hager beat in Bellator, you've mentioned it a couple of times whenever Jake Hager's mentioned <laughs> and he does look a bit, I mean don't get me wrong he could crush me with his bare hands because you know, a, a strong gust of wind can blow me over um, but yeah, he he looked very much like your average Joe from the pub yeah <laughs> it's, it's, you know like during um, the first 
UK takeover, we went to the pub and Gaff challenged Finn Balor to a fight. It was kind of like <laughs> if that happened. Never. Like if that actually happened. Never forget, never forget that Garth once challenged former Universal Champion Finn Balor to a fight in a Blackpool pub. Absolutely, absolutely outstanding. Um, and he bottled it. And he bottled it. Yeah, true. Garth won by countout, technically. So. Um, <laughs> Absolutely fair play. Garth, I never really got your take on, obviously. The last time we spoke, as you've said, was the 19th of March. Um, And obviously since then, AEW have announced that they're going to have the TNT Championship as their secondary belt. Um, What do you think about the name of the belts, about them having a secondary title, and also who is actually in the brackets? What do you think? Um, Well... I think it was pretty obvious that they had to have a secondary title considering the amount of talent they've got, especially sort of middling around the sort of mid-card. Mm. Um, I think the name's fine. It's it's a TV title. It makes sense to give it like the network name. I suppose it doesn't really matter. Um, I think ultimately this is Cody's title. Um, I honestly think this is the title that, well, Cody can go for this one because he can't go for the other one. And it's going off what how, how they're really sort of pushing it. He's really been put forward as this sort of, he is main event, but he's not allowed to go for that main event title. So this is the next best thing for him. I yeah. can see him probably winning it. But I, I, I wouldn't complain if he did, though. He's, he's had arguably the best matches, so fair play. Um, no, I think it's smart. It's, it's obvious they had to do it. Yeah. So much talent. Me and you, Chris, we spoke about the championship bracket itself last week and how mm-hmm. you look at it and, you know, were it not for the circumstances that, you know, everyone currently finds themselves in, you know, you look at it and there's absolutely not a chance that Colt Cabana will be in this tournament. There's not a chance that Kip Sabian is getting anywhere near this tournament bracket. You know, we've got no pack. Even in terms of, like, um, in terms of win-loss records, was he, like, one win all year, if that? Yeah, there was when Excalibur did the uh, the ratings for this week, there were some eye-opening ratings, to be perfectly honest, because someone, I think it was in the women's division. I can't remember who it was. I meant to make a note. Um, there was someone in the women's division whose record was three wins and five losses, and they were third in the women's division. I was like, what the Yukitaki. fuck is this bullshit? Was it Yukitakasaki? She was first. Yeah. Uh, no. It was. I think it was Statlander. Oh, they do put the ratings on their website, so I can get them up right now. All right, well, why do you do that, Chris? Let's delve in um, to the show itself. And we opened not with the Dynamite logo, not with the commentary team, but with Jake Roberts sitting and delivering one of his ultimately amazing promos. Um, He compares getting into the ring with Lance Archer, like asking if he'd step in front of a train or jump out of a plane with a parachute. Um, If you wouldn't do that, then why the hell would you step into a ring with Lance Archer? He says that Marco stepped up to try and become a man and only showed that he was an idiot. Um, (laughs) He tells Cody or asks Cody if he thinks that he's a man or a mouse and asks him to squeak Squeak up, which I thought was great. Garth, Opinion Honestly, on Jake the, Roberts. These promos that he's done these last few weeks have been absolutely brilliant, and it shows how 
fucking missed Jake Roberts has been from wrestling for all these years. Well, he's obviously been battling his well-known demons, but these promos are brilliant, and it means that Lance Archer doesn't have to do the talking. He just goes in the ring and does his thing. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's a great really partnership. And New Japan mm, Lance yeah. Archer promos were essentially everybody and dies in various orders. He's a bit like a fucking Pokemon. Yeah, they were actually. Yeah, he he has a very limited vocabulary when it comes to his promos, and he has one delivery style, and it's what I like to call the Sid Vicious style, which is literally just scream words at the camera and hope they make sense. Okay, so so um, the women's rankings, it was Rio three to three, Britt Baker two to two, um, Yuki Sakisaki one to one. These aren't good. <laughs> These aren't good. How is Yuka Sakazaki above people with more weight? No, that anyway, was what Chris it was, Dart- yeah. Chris Statlander, two to three, and then Shida at six to one. It was two to three I was thinking about with Chris Statlander, and then I was thinking, how is one to one better than two to two? <laughs> I, I, I'm not quite sure. To be fair, it makes more sense in the tag. It's like, going off like amount of losses when it's a tie. It seems a bit odd, doesn't it? It does seem it's, very, very odd. To be fair, Jericho's had one match all year and he lost it and he's second in the rankings. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that really either. I wonder if it goes on percent... Well, no, it can't go on percentages because Jericho's got a 100% loss rate. Yeah. And then you have Derby and Fortity, which kind of makes sense. And But America, um, Omega's 3-0 and he's below both Cody and Jericho. There's, there's got to be some kind of determining factor. It's got to be, I imagine it's got to be something like, you know, caliber of opponent or something like that. So a loss to Moxley, you know, is, you know, a high profile loss. So it's not like, you know, beating Trent. Okay, I kind of get that. But also, like, I get that more if he'd had a win and Kenny Omega wasn't sitting there and 3 0 in fucking fourth place. No, <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. Um, we'll have to try and unravel the mystery that is the AEW ranking system. Um, Chris, what did you think of the Jake Roberts promo? Oh, amazing. I I, I miss him every week before he comes back to me. Um, just, like, the, the way he can, like, both bury someone while also put them up, putting them over, it's absolutely wonderful. Like, it's, it's like, a lot, of best, a lot of the best promos we see today, like, you think of, like, the MJF one from a few weeks ago. Um, he still completely buried Cody. Whereas Jake Roberts is putting over, can put over Cody while completely destroying him. Yeah. And it's the same here. He somehow made Marco stunt come out of this action match looking better than he ever has. True. <laughs> True. Marco so, stunt was uh, was high profile this show without actually doing anything. Um, yeah. Now we then once once this promo has finished and Jake has finished. Let's put, let's be honest, finish putting himself over because uh, in these promos, <laughs> the only thing we think about after this promo is fucking hell, I wish Jake was still wrestling. Um, yeah. We then cut to our commentary team this week. No Pharaoh, unfortunately. Um, I thought he did a fantastic job on commentary last week. Um, we have Tony Skiavone, as he's, <laughs> as he's uh, referenced by Chris Jericho and uh, Chris Jericho himself on commentary um let's go straight to you then garth because i know that you have been you were basically foaming at the mouth for how good he was go on just like i think we knew he was going to be good and i think obviously the promos that he cuts you know it is but it was even 
when he came on and he had his champagne and he was just sort of chilling. And the thing is, he wasn't full heel, which was really, really clever. He wasn't just trying, like burying everybody. He was showing surprise at some things and he was impressed by some of the faces. Uh, overall, his commentary was, it was like, it wasn't like a wrestler commentator. It was like a color commentator. And you could tell, like I said it straight away, it's um, he's sort of channeling the ghost of Bobby Heenan with a bit of Jesse Ventura mixed. It was just the perfect sort of, the perfect foil for Shivoni, who's trying to keep it legit. And then every now and then, um, Jericho would have a dig at somebody like Omega or Cody or something like that. It was just, just brilliant. And the, 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 just the little nuggets that he kept coming out with were just brilliant. I enjoyed how he started by being. I I also definitely heard you know influences of um, Heenan in there. Um, and I really enjoyed how he did that throughout the show. Really, really put Britt Baker over. Massively, massively tried to put Britt Baker over. Um, and then when it came to the she main event... Well. Yeah, and she, he was very, very impressed with that match. Um, we got to the main event and all all of it just went out the window as he physically came <laughs> off commentary to start shouting to Sean Spears, come on, Sean! Kick come out, on, Sean! Come on, Sean! <laughs> uh, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, Chris, what did you think of the commentary team today? It was great. Like, for the last few weeks, commentary's been weird because Cody isn't very good in commentary and Kenny Omega never really says anything. But then, like, you have Jericho, who, of course, can't shut his mouth, and I love it. Um, <laughs> he did a great job of both of keeping kayfabe when it's... Ob- like, when even when Michael Nakazawa's in the ring, he managed to keep it completely kayfabe. It was beautiful. Um, but he also managed like for, you talked about him like being shitty towards Kenny, but like while he was being shitty towards Kenny, he was still putting Ke- like when um, Trent Beretta said fucking about it, he was like, no, Trent, Trent, Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers in the world. <laughs> so, so like he, yeah, it was a beautiful mix of um, shit posting and keeping everyone over. It was great. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, we then cut to the ring where a man called Dead Meat, ironically, <laughs> um, was about to be absolutely manhandled by Lance Archer. This this was a this was a mugging, is what this was. This was GBH. Um, Lance Archer absolutely destroyed this poor man who then, bless him, tried to attempt some offence by trying an Insiguri, which Lance Archer completely no-sold, which I really, really enjoyed. <laughs> Um, absolutely launched him across the ring from a chokeslam position into a suplex, which blew Jericho's mind. Um, <laughs> Blackout finishes it, and Lance Archer defeats Dead Meat in one minute and 30 seconds. A um, couple of things to note. First to you, Chris, I think this might be the first time that someone has mentioned New Japan Pro Wrestling by its actual name. Sure. Yeah, we mentioned this last week, where um, just they kept saying Japan, like they were one step away from saying the Orient. It was ridiculous. Which they did say later on in this show. They actually <laughs> did say. I meant to text you. I forgot. <laughs> I didn't know it's that. When did they do that? Um, I can't. It was. When was it? He did say something about the Orient. It was towards the back end of the show. Um. Yeah, Oh, was it Nakazawa? It might have been Nakazawa. 
but while he was rest, while the wrestling in the Orient, it was just it was it was brilliant. I really I really enjoyed that. Um, your opinion then, as Lance Archer, is this just absolute fucking bull? Yeah, like if this was a, an historical battle, it would be the Battle of Stalingrad. Like Jesus Christ, just no no one's first. Yeah, it's it's the opening five minutes of Saving Private Ryan. It's just absolute <laughs> fucking chaos. Um, it's uh, the last scene of Rogue One. <laughs> it is. It's just everybody <laughs> dies, ironically. Um, Garth, what is your opinion of Lance Archer's style and basically him just absolutely murdering people? I think it's good. It, it's getting him over as a monster until he comes across somebody that actually has some gravitas but yeah, it, was, it was fine it gets his finish over more and it gets him over as a bit of a monster so yeah sort of, yeah. I enjoy something I was worried about when um, it was announced that Brody Lee and Lance Archer had signed I was a little bit concerned that that meant then that we got three dominant monsters we got Hager we got Archer and we got Brody Lee and I was concerned that we were just going to have Three enormous brutes who just, you know, powered through people. And to a certain extent, we are getting that. But we've got it in three very different styles. Like, we've got Jake Hager, who is, you know, undefeated in MMA, and he's going to defeat you with some absolutely vicious submission holds. We've got Lance Archer, who does not give a shit for your safety. He just wants to hurt you. He's just there to basically destroy as many people as possible. And then you've got Brody Lee, who, you know, is sort of in the same vein as Archer, but has got this, you know, this almost clinical cold... Yeah, I mean, you look at his match, I know we're jumping about a bit, but you look at his match when he's doing that pinfall and sort of the, the feeling's gone in his eyes. And it was always the best thing about Lucarpa when he was in WWE That's- with his eyes. That's just the thing that a decade in the federal duty <laughs> <laughs> just de- destroys everything behind the eyes. Um, Bible eventually, well, that's just going to be what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do like that AW have got this thing of right. Well, we've got three monsters. Let's use them in different ways so we aren't, you know, getting very bored of all of them very very quickly because they all do the same thing. Yeah. So well done to the bookers, and the people backstage. We then cut to our first proper match um, with <laughs> with Hikaru Shida taking on Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite upset because I don't like Britt Baker at all. She's infinitely better as a heel than a babyface. She lends herself so much better to being a heel as a babyface, but I, don't, I just don't get her. I don't like her offense i find her offense quite clunky i don't particularly enjoy her promos i don't particularly enjoy her as a wrestler i'm sure she's a lovely person but i just don't i just don't get it however this was not only the best match that Britt baker's had in aew i legitimately thought this was a great match garth i'm gonna say the same this is easily the best match that i've seen now um and they got time which was good <clears throat> it meant that they could tell a story and also Britt Baker got absolutely smashed open with that um, was it the mission not going to drive that smashed her mouth open on her nose <laughs> there was a couple uh, of instances uh, my... it could have been yeah Enough. she didn't exactly hold back with a kick does she no yeah and I just think um, 
I think it got them. I think it's the first time they both had a lot of time to get their stuff in, and I think it really helped them. And and again, like we mentioned, and we probably will every match. Jericho putting them both over really helped. That was especially something, Shida, because yeah. Jericho kept Jericho kept saying he wasn't that familiar with her and all that, but then he says he kept. You kept saying, wow, wow, is it really sort of putting stuff over? Um, and I thought it was like a really good match, possibly one like the best of the show. Chris, um, oh, sorry, God, I thought he'd finished, mate. No, I'm just the what I like the fact that it was quite hard hitting. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed it, Chris. Yeah, it was fun. Um, but like she had managed to carry Baker to a not completely trash match, which is. An accomplishment within itself. It's sort of like, I know, it's like carrying me to a conversation in Spanish and I don't know any Spanish. It's kind of like that. Um, despite the fact Britt Baker decided to make a career out of it. I've, I've lost myself. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm with you, Rob. I don't like Britt Baker. She comes off as super like green, but also like, has apparently been around for years. Right, and she was at All In. And like she seemed better at All In, but also like that match went by in a fucking flash. And had um, Tessa Blanchard in it, so I thought he just distracted by a good Tesseris. But like here, yeah, she was kind of just carried her. Like all the best parts were when either Sheeta was in control or when Sheeta wasn't in control, Sheeta's selling. Because like we've seen like Britt Baker when she's up against say like a B Priestley, but like B's good, good with her moves, but like with a sound like the claw hold on the teeth, that never gets it. Like I don't know, I just don't think Dentist is a very good gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you'll find that Isaac no, Yankum made a career out of that shit. Um, that guy had to die, <laughs> come back as king. Um, but yeah, like the one good, the one thing what, that got me into um, Baker in this match was when she a went for a curb stomp on the teeth. That's quite cool. That yeah. that should be her finish. And B when she was like, "You better not." hurt my teeth <laughs> yeah. like, was, like I was thinking during this match Adam Cole must have like the best teeth yeah I bet he does and I bet he doesn't have to pay yeah free dental um, well he does have to pay just not like just I don't know how he pay. don't how be disgusting <laughs> he helps she helps his mouth um, he helps hers um <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like what well, I've been, I've said on um, basically every time she either comes out, she's great. She's who should be pushed against Nyla right now, um, especially because her offense will just work against Nyla. Like stiff kicks and occasionally hardcore shit that would work perfectly against Nyla. Um, so she's a perfect challenger, and oh, her music is still super racist. Like, <laughs> like, like WCW levels fucking Japanese music there, like. Like fucking the the um wav file for that is just fucking wavy laces and dot wav, but <laughs> yeah it was fine. Like I I I don't know if I'm just surprised at how good this was because it was Britt Baker or if it was actually good. I thought it was good. I th- I'm with you, Goth. I don't think it was the best match on the card. I think it was it was a very 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 close second. Um, I text you saying I really enjoyed the Cody Spears match, but here. You're right, I thought it was a lot more hard-hitting. You got that horrible moment where Baker was dropped 
on her back on the turnbuckle. That looked horrendous, and she sold that really, really well. Um, loads of Shida's knees really, really connected, and I think that might be where Baker's nose got busted open. Um, I will just say that Britt has really improved her in-ring persona. If if not her in-ring style, then definitely her in-ring persona. She hit a famaser on uh, Shida and then locked eyes with Billy Gunn at ringside, and I thought that was brilliant. That's what she should do. She should be a spoilt twat. It's great. She she does that. Did she not um, shout at um, Shivani, didn't she, saying that it was her... Her division or something, stuff like that. Yeah, she was like, um, Shivani, can you just? I know you're back there in commentary. Can you please tell them that it's my division? Yeah. And <laughs> I, I don't know, like, what's the nature of Shivani's and um, Brit's relationship? She just keep bringing them coffee. <laughs> I thought that was his job. The wrong name. <laughs> but the thing is, like, she did that so often. I'm like, why is Shivani still like? Does he, like, does he like being humiliated? Like, it's. <laughs> Like Shivani, just a very secret, proper, like hardcore sub. Well, let's be perfectly honest. He's been brought coffee by a very, very pretty lady. I think he's probably thinking, "Hey, get me." And Jericho made reference to that on commentary, which I thought was quite funny as well. Um, what is your What is your relationship? What what does he do? Like when he goes to like Starbucks or something and it's a pretty barista, what the fuck does she do? Like is he just like oh well she's now my girlfriend. That's so creepy. <laughs> I don't I don't think Shivani is under the impression that he <laughs> she and Britt Baker are going out. Yeah, but like fucking this this what it takes to like woo Shivani if you bring him a fucking latte and see somebody dropping his pants going, I'm yours to keep. <laughs> um I think you're right on another count, Garth. They got they got given 17 minutes and five seconds, so loads and loads of time, and at no point... It was that long? 17 minutes and five seconds it went before Hikaru Shida finished it with the knee strike. That's almost as long as the Beretta um, Omega match last week. We felt that the problem with the Omega... <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Garth. You haven't said your piece on that match. Go on. It's just fucking dull. <laughs> It's so dull, honestly. It was like a fuck. It's like sixty-minute Broadway. He's just sitting there going, "Oh, I want um, Bret Hart versus Doink from SummerSlam '93." I would rather have that. You can just imagine Garth on death's door, being taken out, being hit for six, being leg dropped by this coronavirus, turning on AEW, and going, "Fucking Omega, prick." Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought this, honestly, I enjoyed this more than the Omega Beretta match. Those are like, there's more going on. Yeah, like, far more. Like, the highlights of the Omega, like the powerbomb on the um, uh, on the outside, or like, a lot of the big bumps, they were cooler, but this was a more like, like, it's almost like that match wasn't seen as like, a set of events more than like, we're going to fuck about a bit and then do something big, whereas this was like, okay, we'll go from here to here to here. It was, this, this, this flowed better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we then cut backstage to a backstage segment where we've got Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa who are talking about their tag team match against the best <laughs> friends on Orange Cassidy. Uh, Michael Nakazawa says they need to have a name and suggests best friends, which Kenny sort of <laughs> looks at him and goes, 
we've we've already got a team called best friends. Nakazawa says yes, but you aren't you a vice president? Can't you change it? Uh, when Orange Cassidy just walks out of was it a wardrobe? Was it their bathroom? I don't know. Um, and then Omega just looks at him and goes, "How long have you been in there?" And then um, Trent and Chucky T come in. They've heard everything, and basically they agree to have a best friend's name on a pole match. Um, with Omega and Nakazawa, where the two teams will fight with the winner getting the name Best Friends. Um, Chris, what do you think of this segment? I got a legitimate laugh out of this. It's like after the... Like who did, the last time I properly saw Nakazawa, I know because it, it's been mostly in Dark, hasn't it? Yes. So the last time I've properly seen Nakazawa, the segment I haven't skipped would have been Fighter Fest. Wow. Who was it? Who's that, who that fucking guy who ran the gaming convention? That weird cunt, um, Alex Jud Bailey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That really weird, really shit match. Uh, to be perfectly honest, man, I, I don't think Nakazawa's an in ring technician, do you? No, like, he's from DDT, isn't he? Yes. That's where him and Omega know each other yeah, from. Yeah, they kept yeah. mentioning that. Yeah. yeah that's that's how- a really weird dissonance because like the main event scene is DDT is, is basically Masato Tanaka beating the shit out of you and then the rest of it's all comedy mm. <laughs> it's weird um, we then cut back to um, Excalibur breaking down the AEW rankings which we've already mentioned um, at the top of the divisions obviously aside from the champions we have Shida who has got is she 8-1 and one for the year? yes um, we have got Jake Hager, who is obviously taking on John Moxley in a no-holds-barred empty arena match next week, and Dark Order, who are number one contenders in the tag division, obviously boosted by Brody Lee. Say again? Dark Order of 5-0 in tag action. Not with the fucking 8-9 and, and whatever they were called. They were shit. Um, yeah, but like, just Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. Yeah, and... Uh, I can see them capturing the tag title soon. Yeah, because otherwise um, Brody Lee will be a bit pissed and throw a steak at him. A steak? Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant like a vampire steak. I was like, what? That's not his gimmick. Be quite a cool turn though, wouldn't it? Get proper, proper vampiro on that shit. <laughs> it was me, this, um... It was me all the damn time. <laughs> I loved his promos. Brody Lee's. They're incredible. Video packages have been excellent. They've been amazing. Um, obviously, Garth, you've listened to um the Brody Lee podcast, um the Jericho podcast, and just yeah. how well spoken he is, and how just just because mm-hmm. he couldn't do this southern accent, and because Vince couldn't see past the fact that he was southern, he needed to be southern, he needed to be a southern hick because he couldn't do that, they just wouldn't let him talk, it, and then he just kept coming with ideas, coming with ideas, and. It's just, it's baffling that, you know, he's gone from lackey in the Wyatt family to where he is now. Well, he gave an example of an idea, and it was a really good idea, and then Jericho says, oh, yeah, I went in with this idea, which was a mint idea, and because Vince was eaten, it never got past anyone. It's like, fucking hell, man. Um, There was a great example he gave where it was, um, because I've listened to the podcast too, I listened to it once, so you guys pardon me. Um... He came in with the idea for like a wrestling, a secret wrestling genius, basically. So like he appears done, but like he's secretly a genius. And then we gave that to Rowan. 
which must have been a proper no, they... the teeth. Um, speaking about Moxley and Hager, um, we cut to the first of three big packages for the Moxley and Hager empty arena title match. Really, really done. Uh, re- sorry, really, really well done. Again, um, sort of cutting in pieces of footage from um, Hager's Bellator victory, showing but him training extremely hard. They mentioned that he actually was supposed to be fighting in Bellator at the start of May, which means that he's been at fight camp, which means he is in peak physical condition. And to be perfectly honest, looking at him, he's absolutely stacked. He looks ridiculous. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask. So we've now randomly decided that uh, Hager's wife is canon. Um, what a fucking <laughs> heel! I, I- I, I, I was going to say that. <laughs> very quickly, he's saying... He, either he wins or he doesn't come home. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Before, before we go into how awful a wife Jake Hager has, um, I just like the way you say canon. Like, if she wasn't uh, mentioned in WTV, she just wasn't real. Well, that's that's what <laughs> I think. That's what I think. If it's not mentioned on AEW, how else am I supposed to get my relationship news? Is that way Farrell um, I mean, uh, Brandy's like mega cannon. Oh, fucking Brandy's everywhere. Are you telling me Pharaohs was only on AEW TV because he wasn't Hill Dice? Yeah, so. Did you notice on the Jake Hagar one um, where they were, in, they were interviewing his, um, his trainer? Yeah. And in the background, his wife was on, like, sat on top of him, punching him. Yeah. <laughs> she was doing like stretches on him about. I like to be honest, like stretch by your wife. Both of you two are in long term relationships. If your wife one of your wives go, Well, we don't get like that promotion or something, you're not coming home. How does that make Um I mean it it made me laugh because the reason I mentioned it was Hager is supposed to be the de facto heel in this, didn't it? And then he mentioned first he mentioned that he does this for his family, not for the fame and the glory. Which makes him a baby face, in my opinion. And then his <laughs> wife, who's clearly the heel in this relationship, says if he doesn't win, he's not coming home. Well, now I want to support Jake Hager. So it's kind of like, like he's like he's like the bitch. Yeah, exactly. He's getting, like, he's getting like hauled out. <laughs> exactly. Poor Jake. <laughs> and he says, my family have had to sacrifice so much for me so that I can do this. Well, yeah, but if you're not if you're not allowed to go home, if you lose... Oh, imagine what he'd have been like when he lost the championship in WWE. The, the, the locks have changed, the, the fucking hard drive on his PlayStation 4's white. Uh, <laughs> his pawn stash is burned, just everything <clears throat> gone. His, his dog's sacrificed to the fucking Dark Order. Um, Garth, opinion tell you what on the segment. Really good about, well, I was going to say, what really was good is how how much Moxie put the belt over as being this like ultimate prize that he wants to hang on to at all costs. Um, not just, oh, I want to win it. I want to keep this title because I have to keep this title because it's like I'm, I fought so hard for it. I want to keep it. Uh, it means I'm the best and all this sort of thing. And he's basically saying, like, I'm going to go through hell to keep it. Um, I'm basically going to have to, like, sort of prize it out with dead fingers. Like, He's putting it across as his ultimate prize, and then Hagar's coming across 
basically saying uh, fucking livelihoods on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm not going to get a meal if you don't let me win. I really enjoyed it. All the packages they've done for this have been really good because obviously they can't be, the, they're not there at the same time. So still having them on the show in this way is really good at keeping that feud going. Chris, what were you going to say? First of all, I, I, I know we've like said it a million times, but it's basically Hager wins or stays at the YMCA. There's like no other, there's no in between. And like, um, just in terms of like the video package, it's great. It puts Hager over as this very disciplined fighter. Um, it's like I'm, but I'm juggling two sports at a time because I'm disciplined, amazing fighter. And then Mark, and then Moxley's there, and it's like home gym going, yeah, well fucking amber champion come at me so it puts over both men's characters perfectly um yeah i love aw video packages they feel so legit apart from the wives being absolute awful people <laughs> all of them i mean of them. <laughs> every wife without <laughs> without fail <laughs> we were discussing this um sammy guevara has been um sexually harassing brandy Rhodes for what a month now and cody Rhodes has done nothing no <laughs> like they, to the point where Cody had a match against Guevara last week, and he spent the whole time targeting Spears. Yeah, it's it... just the fact where he's like, um, basically, Cody's gone to, gone to Brandy. Like, can you just kind of like hang out with my brother for a bit? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Cutie Marshall needs friends, so like, can you just like sit with him for a while. <laughs> oh. We move on from the Hager and Moxley video package um, to a high package for the TNT Championship tournament match, uh, the quarterfinal between Cody and Sean Spears. Um, Here, I thought Spears came across really, really well. I thought the video package, again, Chris, you're absolutely right. They kill the video packages. And even this, I know they only had one match, um, but they edited it together really really well and you're absolutely right Garth Cody came across here as though to say right this is going to be my championship I can't fight for the AEW championship which Jericho laughs at later on saying it's because of him which I thought was quite funny Um, and Spears is there right well this is my destiny to get my win back over Cody it was a very very simple story um, you know, why did you hit him with the chair? Like I'd tell you which I thought was quite good genuinely it made me feel like, Spears has been treading water for God knows how long now. It made him come across a lot better than he has been doing here, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it makes him... It's almost like um, you can now attribute his win to bad luck because of how good this video package was. Yeah. Um, Kelly Blanchard is, effect- is effectively doing nothing for him at this point, though. Well, I imagine he's not allowed in the arena at the moment. Same with Arn. Yeah, but also, like, even before that, like, what's Tully getting out of having Sean as a manager? Oh, you mean in general? Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. Um, Tully Blanchard is a fantastic mouthpiece. Just let him talk. Basically, Jake Roberts is doing for Lance Archer what I assumed Tully would be doing for Sean Spears. But Sean Spears is a better promo than Lance Archer. Yeah, well, to be, to be fair, Sean Spears can say word other than everyone and dies. So. <laughs> um, Garth, opinion? Yeah, just like what Chris says, it's like you've got <clears throat> Sean Spears coming across as kind of 
kind of even feeling hard done by because he's been he's had that one match and then he's been left out in the cold. Whereas Cody's gone off and still having these sort of marquee matches and he's still coming. To, he's like the the big I am. Um, and I don't know. I think the fact that it's like Sean Spears' resentment's there and Cody's just sort of treating it as if this is the step. This is a, a stepping stone to getting the championship. So it seems like it means more to Sean Spears than it does for Cody, which is quite a good dynamic. Yeah. Until until the company sort of get in on the fact that Sean Spears like brutally assaulted Cody and left him in a heap. Like Cody's never really sort of acknowledged it, but obviously it's always there in Sean Spears' mind. So it's quite a good dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Cody is able to put it out of his mind. He doesn't see Spears as a threat, whereas Spears is fixated on Cody in oh. that instance. I thought that was I. Yeah, I agree. It's a really really good dynamic, and it I, felt. I mean, to be completely fair. How often is Cody left in a bloody heap? It happens a lot. That's <laughs> true. So many people have turned on him. It's like, just stop. I mean, MJF's turned on him. Spears has turned on him. And the chances are at some point Arn Anderson is going to turn on him. Just stop trusting people, Cody. <laughs> Even Brandy. Fuck Brandy. Honestly, it's like WCW Sting. Stop trusting people, Sting. Ric Flair is going to turn on you, Sting. Stop it. Um, stop trusting Booger. He's not good for you. You always had the Robocop. <laughs> the Sting and Robocop connection. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they put Spears over here. Basically, he, he was billed like a main event talent. And then that was thrown completely into the dust, flushed down the toilet, where in the next match, he was seen to be scouting Michael Nakazawa to be his <laughs> new tag team partner. The man whose finishing move involves a thong and he oils himself up during a match. So but the oiling up was very effective in the early stages of this match. I'll, but to have Spears in this marquee match against Cody, a match that we've just said how well it was put over and how well it was built, to then have him back, you know, back in the live action going, I'm I'm watching you Nakazawa, really? Nakazawa, the thong man. <laughs> Do you not think there's anyone else on that roster you could team with? I mean, for God's sake, I'd rather see you with Kip Sabian than Michael Naka fucking Zauer. You're a bit harsh on Kip Sabian. Oh, you shit. Um, he's, all, he's he's a good rep. I think you're just jealous because he's a Penelope Ford. Well, yeah, I mean, Penelope Ford is absolutely <laughs> gorgeous, but that's beside the point. The fact is, he's a bland character with no direction. What does he bring to AEW? It's just... So is essentially Sean Spears. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. He is, but Spears has been given the opportunity here, and well, I suppose I'll get more of a uh, more of an investment in him when they do the video package for him and Dustin, because it's not him and Dustin next week, is it? It's Colt and Lance next week. Oh God, <laughs> Colt is going to die. Yeah. Yeah, Colt, there's not going to be a lot left of Colt Cabana um, at the end of that match, one thinks. Um, but yeah, just, just, yeah just, just the dichotomy between Sean Spears in that video package and then wanting to team with Nakazawa was just absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, tag team action then with obviously the best friend's name on the line. Uh, we have the best friends accompanied by freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy taking on Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. Garth, you love Kenny Omega. Tell me your thoughts on this match. 
Oh God! Oh God! He cleared his throat, Chris. Oh no! Let me I tell you something, young man. I don't <laughs> hate Kenny Omega. I don't have a problem with Kenny Omega. I just don't believe the hype. That is all. Um, and he's also a vacuum of personality. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's coming from a man whose favorite wrestler is Bret Hart. Exactly. So I can I can I can spot one when I see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, okay. But um, I thought to be to be honest, I I had fun with this match. It was it was fine. It was it was comedy relief. Um, after like four ultra serious promos just before it, um, I thought actually I like when Nakazawa um oiled himself up for this for the sort of chops. I thought it was actually a funny skit. Um. Because the match was just a comedy match, it worked. Um, but they did that stupid crotch move where they pulled him along the ropes. Um, and obviously, Nakazawa and Omega had their own, their own sort of double-team moves off when they were tagging together. Um, and to be fair, I thought that the MVPs in this were the commentary team because they got, it, they got everything over. Because how many people would have known that Kenny Omega and Mike and Nakazawa were like a legit tag team? the commentary team got that over and the fact that they got over the moves that they were using each time. And, I mean, they kept referencing the fact that um, Chucky e. T was in New Japan and etc. Like, it gave the, the match a, a little bit of history, which I think helped, but I thought it was, a, it was fine. It was just good. It was a like ni- nice, fun match. And, um, like I said, like, Jericho and Shivani just absolutely killed it on commentary. Just thought it was yeah, decent match. Yeah, Shivani actually mentions as well that Chucky e. T and Kenny Omega have teamed in the past as well, which Jericho didn't know as well. So you're absolutely right. They do put it over. They've done, you know, every commentary team does their research, but he really did come across in this match. Um, unless JR. Well, unless it's JR. Um, Chris, your opinion? Um, this was fun. Um, it felt a lot like a stupid DDT match. Like um, especially with the um, baby oil, um, <laughs> making so, making it so much chop sort of just glide off of Nakazawa. I thought it was amazing. Mm. Yeah, but like, like with internal logic, there. That's all I need to enjoy wrestling. <laughs> um, the, the best friends continue to be a good team with an awful theme song, with the exception of that breakdown before they come out. <laughs> <laughs> dun 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 dun. I quite, I quite like it. But we're the best friends. Um, it's better than the, it's better than the fucking um, Lucha Bros. Oh, the really generic Spanish one. Honestly, yeah, I expect them to Spanish. come out accompanied by men doing flamenco guitar at the next pay per view. <laughs> Honestly, they really need to sort out some of their fucking entrance music. Especially the ones for people. It is literally like WCW. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, when, but when this match got like got serious, it was still serious. I forgot. I didn't realize Nakazawa could actually throw strikes. That was, that was nice. Um, Omega's a mega. Omega's amazing. So of course he threw in some good stuff. And Brett, and Brett is good at moves. Chuck is good at personality. Together we make a halfway capable wrestler. So it was a fun. It was a fun match. Um, I disagree with Garth. Um. On one count. I thought the commentary team did a fantastic job. Um, And, you know, 
props to them. But I think the MVP of this match was Beretta for two reasons. Um, there was two very, very clear moments where he just looked at Nakazawa and basically went, what the fuck is this? Um, when <laughs> Nak- is that when he put the um, BBL on? Yeah, and, Nak- and his chops just glided off his chest, which, again, as you mentioned, Chris, was fucking brilliant. Um, he just, literally, Beretta looked at him and just went, what the fuck? And then the bit where um, Nakazawa's running the ropes and attempts to do a double clothesline on Chucky T and Trent, and both of them, they don't rush out of the way. They literally just step out of the way and... Nakazawa just eats the canvas, which Jericho finds piss your pants funny. And um, (laughs) literally, you just they zoomed in on Beretta's face, and Beretta was literally just shaking his head with his eyes closed, as though to say, what the fuck has wrestling come to? It was brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, I thought, yeah, towards the end of the match, it turned into a halfway decent tag match, like an actual wrestling match um nakazawa and kenny were like a really really good team um the doomsday device um sort of looked a bit like a car wreck um nakazawa just leapt at him didn't really do anything didn't spear him didn't clothesline just sort of leapt at him um which gets a two count i still can't get off i still can't get on board with his finisher being the venom arm that fucking thong um which he tries to kill trent with but ends up hitting Omega with him, they zoom in on Omega, and Omega's actually pushing the thong into his face, which is just, yeah. Um, I still think Kenny does the best snap suplexes without a shadow of a doubt. Those snap uh, dragon suplexes look fucking great. Um, And then eventually, like I say, best friends hit Strong Zero on Nakazawa for the win. This went 16 minutes and 25 seconds this was this was at least two minutes too long but it did a job i suppose yeah it was again it was fun i didn't i didn't feel especially clogged especially since now i can actually skip through the fucking adverts i like that now um but yeah this is this is fun enough yeah yeah no i agree um so this match happened. Obviously, best friends keep the best friend's name. Um, they all hug Orange Cassidy, which is quite funny. We are missing one moment when Nakazawa squirts lube, because that's, that's what it is, squirts lube at um, Orange Cassidy all over his face and glasses. Uh, so he takes the glasses off. Um, Nakazawa takes them, throws them into the audience, turns around, and Cassidy has got another pair of sunglasses on. Which I just I thought that was quite funny. Every week I feel like I enjoy Orange Cassidy more and more, um, and I think that match he had against Pack at Revolution will only do more to help people because he was over anyway. But I think people now realizing, like you, Garth, that he can actually wrestle. Um, I think that's going to put him in great stead for the future. You heard it. I recently found out. I recently found out he was Red Anthem Jakara. Yeah, you said that. I find that really, really difficult to believe, but there you go. I know. Um, do you know who Red Ant is, Garth? Nope. Do you know what Chikara right. is, Garth? I don't know what Chikara is, but I don't know who Red Ant is. Okay, okay so in Chikara, there's, <clears throat> there's this colony of ants. Uh, okay. <laughs> there's Red Ant, Green Ant, Soldier Ant, Black Ant, um, Thief Ant... Thief, um, thief ant, ant or leaf ant? Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he got he got thrown out of the colony. 
Um... God's sake. <laughs> I love explaining to Garth really stupid things. <laughs> Just. It's like one of those jokes where it's like you have to be there. <laughs> you kind of did. Dude, the colony were really over. And then they brought him into Ring of Honor for some reason. And it's like, of course that wasn't going to work. <laughs> Let's move away from that. Um, so Britt Baker's <laughs> backstage. She gets interviewed and claims she lost half of her blood in the ring. And she plays dirt. She's the dirtiest player she's ever wrestled. Then says, thank goodness she doesn't touch my teeth. But it's okay because I am a dentist. And she walks the fuck away. And we then cut to one of those great Brody Lee promos. Um, he's meeting with his minions backstage. Uh, one of them is dressed up, got the tie on, looking very sharp, apart from the gimp mask. And then you've got the two gimp mask people, and they are wearing underarmors and looking generally shabby. And Brody Lee chastises them, saying if they want success, they have to dress in a successful way. Um, he basically says, if this is getting too hard, then you're seeing the exit ramp, not the sign on the freeway, which I thought was quite a nice line. Um, then he gets to the person who was dressed up and says, I have an opportunity for you, and leads him to a door with a really shoddy AEW sign on it. Um, Garth, yeah. what is your <laughs> opinion of yeah, of Brody Lee as um, Exalted One? I like it. I like it because he... Um... Everyone expected him to come in as this sort of no hold barred smash mouth sort of like Luke Harper. And he's coming and he's the absolute opposite. He's articulate and he's sort of deliberate and he's quite slow speaking. Um, that's that one he did last week where it was the eating the steak and things like that. And he had the, the meat. In. I thought they were really, really good because... It got across the fact that he was very smart, but also ready to snap at any moment. Um, and this this was all right. This was good. It was like people turning up with creased shirts and shit. And he's like, no, this shit won't fly. Um, and then the ones who do sort of stand in line get the opportunity. So he's getting across his character and he's also getting across the, the demeanor of the group that he's pushing. So, yeah, it's good. Really enjoy it. Brilliant. Chris? Um... There's actually a weird story about this. Was CM Punk's first? No, his second title reign, never one of the straight society. But I spoke to the end because the un- he pissed off the Undertaker by not wearing a seat and pointed out how John Cena doesn't wear a seat. Jesus. Um, and that's why he got squashed in like 10 minutes in Hell in a Cell. And yeah, so it's actually like the other ones, like I'd know, like the one from the first one where he was eating the steak. That yeah. one. That one sort of went over my... No, the first one was the steak one, wasn't it? It was the one of the TV room. No, the yeah. steak was first. Steak was first, then TV room, then this one. Okay, so the steak one kind of went over my head, but it was meant to be Vince, for Vince, because like, the steak thing isn't something I'd heard. The sneezing, yeah. though. The sneezing, yeah, but like I didn't realise it was meant to be the whole Vince parallel, but then I see this and it's like, oh yeah, but someone being picked so they look over everything else, that's definitely Vince. Mm-hmm. No, it was great. He's doing a great job of drawing like Vince parallels without it being like overt. Like honestly, if like some weird season desist game through, he could keep going and not change that much to his character. So yeah. it's great. He's because I, I explained this. I kind of went into this last week, but you know, there's, there's like because um, 
almost naturally um, Brody Lee's going to bring up some comparisons to like Bray Wyatt because they're both cult leaders. But like, it's weird. Bray Wyatt was sort of like the weird pervert um, sex leader. <laughs> um, cult leader. Like you had, sex you had leader? <laughs> cult leader. Like you had, you had the impression that he was having sex with one, if not both of them. Whereas... Um, Nobody! Yeah, not one person looked at the Wyatt family and bent, I bet you any money Bray Wyatt's bent there at Roanover. Not <laughs> one person has thought that. I'll be honest, I thought it was kind of more like uh, like a sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. That's thing. what I like, assumed, yes. Not, oh, I bet they're all getting jiggy with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can be both. Um, I assume I haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Mask. Anyway, um, and then here is more like sort of like a Scientology type thing. Does that tell me? Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's definitely where they're heading. And um, so, I think, all, like honestly, I think these Vince promos will sort of stop when the pandemic's over, and then Brody Lee will just be like this scary omni um, omnipresent figure within the Dark Order. I don't. No, I completely agree with you, Chris. I think that's exactly what it is. My only concern with it is, because I think it's great, and I think Brody Lee has been great, and I think he's absolutely killed it, because there, are, there were parallels, obviously, to the Wyatt family in the Dark Order, as there's going to be, and then putting a member of the Wyatt family as the leader of the Dark Order, obviously elevated that. But I think with the promos and how he's spoken and how they've shown that they are completely different, I don't think that's a parallel many people will draw anymore. Um, it does... What worries me is this has a shelf life. Um, and mm. this has quite a... In my opinion, it has quite a, a short shelf life. Because you can't have Brody Lee beating the shit out of his minions for, you know, three years. So once that's happened, once the Dark Order's run its course and, you know, you've got some members of the Dark Order that inevitably turn face... What happens with Brody Lee then? Fingers crossed, he's an upper mid carder. You know, he'll go for the TNT Championship and everything. But I just hope that this doesn't, you know, meander and be a bit shit and sort of end basically like the Wyatt family did with no real explanation. I hope that there's a, a payoff and they don't overstay their welcome with it because Brody Lee has done such a fantastic job with it so far. I want it to succeed because I think he deserves it. We get another Hager versus Moxley video package, more of the same, really. Um, again, interchanged with you know footage of Hager training and Moxley running up tall things. Um, loads of Bellator footage again. Um, Moxley promises to fuck him up. At least we assume that's what he says <laughs> because TNT bleeped it. Obviously, um, basically more of the same. I do enjoy, and Chris, you brought this up in the last one, um, how you are comparing a very organised fighter in Jake Hager to basically a brawler in Moxley. And I think, fingers crossed, those two styles are going to mesh well. Um, we'll, we'll see, obviously. Garth, I didn't actually ask, what do you think about this match? Are you excited for it? I'm looking forward to it, because like you see, it, it's, it's clashing styles. So, and I mean... It's clashing stars because Hagar's more sort of traditional wrestling, but with him being a Bellator fighter, he can hit. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the match goes, where if Hagar starts off 
trying to wrestle and then ends up just having to go down to Moxie's level where it's just ground and pound. Yeah. yeah. Quite looking forward to it. Chris? Yeah, it's going to be fine. It's a TV defense we've ever seen. It's weird though, because like Hagar, in terms of like build, should be an absolute well beater, but also like I have such a small amount of interest in seeing him as AEW's champion, but it's hard to quantify. Like, I'd rather read all three books in the Fifty Shades saga um, in one day. There's one thing that I noticed is um, Hagar can actually cut a promo now. Yeah, yeah well, he doesn't have a lisp anymore. Yeah, but it's like it seems like he's he's not trying to do the WWE kind of raise your voice and shouty thing. He's quite monotone and, and low level, which it's really working to his advantage, I think. It's a little bit more threatening, isn't it? Yeah. Um, It'll, it'll be interesting. The only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is you are building up Jake Hager. You know, he's undefeated in Bellator, and they keep telling you that. Bellator, he's undefeated in Bellator, he's undefeated MMA. He's the only person to do this successfully at the same time as being a wrestler. How is he going to lose? Because if you just do a normal match, it's easy. DQ loss, it's easy. How do you make Hager lose? Because he's not going to beat Moxley, not on TV and not in front of no fans. How do you make Hager lose without making him look weak? Is it like a, it's a no holes barred? Yes, it's exactly what it's it is, like yeah. No, no, no DQ. Yes. Um, I don't know how they do it, unless it's like a stoppage. It's the only thing I can think. But you don't have those in no-holds-barred matches. Or like, what, like if he passes out? Oh, but then, no, I don't know. I think Vanguard 1 will shoot him. <laughs> you think a full-on murder is going to happen? No, 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 not in, like, the heart or something. Like, in the leg, maybe the fucking lower back so he's paralysed for the rest of his life. Vanguard wanted to kill her. So what you're saying is, Matt Hardy, who has got absolutely no connection to the AEW champion John Moxley at all, is going uh, to uh, deploy uh, but... his minion, Vanguard 1, who has already sort of, you know, set, run away from Chris Jericho twice, is going to come and shoot... Jake Hager in the leg. But two things. First of all, um, Mahadi's um, feuding with Jericho and therefore being in the circle. Second of all, those two previous times, Vanguard wasn't packing. He's packing now. Uh, speaking of Matt Hardy, um, we're at the Hardy compound <laughs> next, and fucking hell, Matt Hardy is brilliant. Um, he goes through all the members of the inner circle, or should I say, the circle that is internal, which was just amazing. Um, he mocks Jericho for being in a tub that is hot, wearing pants of leather, which I thought was just absolutely amazing. Um, he starts with Jake, uh, sorry, with Sammy Guevara, uh, the Spanish guard. He says, in, in, he says it in all seriousness, which is amazing. He says, he is but a fake god, and a I bet if you asked him, he would not even be Spanish. And it's just, it's amazing. Uh, he says, 
he likes Santino and Ortiz because he he loves Puerto Rican food and needs a snack, um, presumably <laughs> turning full cannibal, um, and then goes on to Vanguard One, who asks him to bring the shirt that Jericho gave him last week. Vanguard One appears, but wearing Matt Hardy's new shirt, and um, Vanguard One says it's on fire, and they laugh about how it's an actual dumpster fire because he set it alight in a dumpster, and then Hardy challenges Jericho to the compound for the elite deletion. Um, And this was my one issue with commentary. Jericho no-sold it completely on commentary. Yeah. Absolutely no-sold it. Um, I love the um, when he mentioned Hagar as well, and he says he's like, um, what does he call him? He called it a Jakenstein with some bolts in his neck. (laughs) (laughs) He's been brainwashed. (laughs) Honestly, this was just this was just such a fantastic promo. And I know Matt Hardy's character isn't for everyone. I know the Damascus character isn't for everyone, but I just I find breaking up these matches brilliant. Jericho calls him Damascus. <laughs> oh, amazing. It's just again the dynamics are so good and you can tell they're just having such a like such a laugh with it. I bet you any money that release the hounds thing will be a shirt. Oh, definitely. Honestly, me and you, Chris, absolutely pissed ourselves at that last week, didn't we? <laughs> we just couldn't stop. Like, I was, like when he goes there, uh, <laughs> it's like the little bastard went off my t-shirt. <laughs> release the hounds. <laughs> And like one, the best part was one dog just wasn't going. He was like that. Like, who are all these strange people? Let's see the picture that Jericho put up where he's uh, it's just him with all his dogs next to him. I did see. <laughs> he's just got released the hounds. Oh, amazing! It's like a Chihuahua. <laughs> Um, we preview what's going to happen next week. Um, the aforementioned um, MT Arena title match between Moxley and Hager and the next quarterfinal match for the TNT Championship Tournament, Archer versus Colt Cabana, which is going to be more of a murder. Um, one last video package hyping the main event, and then we're on to the main event, uh, the TNT Championship t- Tournament quarterfinal between Brandy, I mean Cody, and Sean Spears. Um, I will say this for Brandy. I think what they're doing for autism awareness and the way she delivered it was absolutely amazing. I won't have a bad word to say about that. I think that was great. And if it's if that's what they are doing um, to give people with autism the chance to watch wrestling without you know all of the sensory, you know, just all of that, I think I, I think that's absolutely amazing. I think that's I think they need applauding for that. I think that's great. Um, but yeah, this match. Fucking great. I thought Sean Spears looked absolutely brilliant in this match, Chris. Yeah. Um, best he's looked in a while, but also, like, that's not hard. I, like, we generally look like better wrestlers in a while just because we played career mode in some form of wrestling game. Um, yeah, I'm, I was really happy that Tully didn't turn up because Jesus Christ, that would have been bad. Like, it's ever since, like, they just brought Jake Snake Roberts out to ringside a couple of weeks ago, I'm sort of like, why? But no, what I did like was um, Sugar Dunkerton holding down. Um, he held down Spears during the match when he went into the crowd. And so when um, Chris Jarrett was sort of calling Pineapple Pete. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and since then, um, Sugar Dunkerton has released a Pineapple Pete shirt 
<laughs> with a review that just said pineapple Pete, I hate that guy, Chris Jericho. <laughs> incredible. Absolutely incredible. Go on, carry on anyway, Chris. Uh, it, but like beyond that, it was like if you were to like simulate Cody versus Spears and like Fire Pro or something, it would just be this, and it was fine. Honestly, though, with the crowd, this might be better than the um, All Out match, but also who the fuck cares about that All Out match? Um, yeah, no, it was, it was a fun TV main event, just but it's almost like a standard Cody main event for the most part. So. Apart from, like, the best part was Jericho shouting at Cody. Garth? Um, I enjoyed it. It was a good match. <clears throat> it was, um, what was it, like 20 minutes or something? Uh, 21 minutes and 35 seconds. These matches definitely sort of benefit from a little bit extra time, which obviously they were allowed to because of the circumstances. But um, I thought it was good. I thought Spears came over quite strong and Cody... Um, Seem to sort of get the win against the runner player, kind of like sort of a last gasp win. So it kept Spears strong. But the best part of the whole match was um, where Jericho was talking about um, what was it he said? Uh, about that possum. <laughs> where he was. Um, what was it he said? Um, shaking hands and kissing babies didn't get uh, didn't get me anywhere. It was <laughs> yeah. when I started kissing hands and shaking babies. <laughs> Almost spat my tear out. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Um, oh. There was a bit where um, Sean Spears um, rolls out of the way of a moonsault having played possum and Jericho says, oh, Sean Spears was playing possum and then just turns to Shivani and goes... Found a possum in my house the other day. Scared me to death. It was ridiculous. <laughs> we were just chasing it around the house. Just having this conversation with Shivani. To which Shivani just turned to him and bluntly said, Did you release the hounds? Which I then laughed yeah. at because I thought that was great. Um, yeah. The bit where he called uh, Cody Exotic. Honestly, Cody Exotic. Ag- oh my God. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Just, just absolutely on the nose with like the, like the references and stuff. But um, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was really good. But again, I definitely think the commentary gave it that extra sort of half a star to a star, just made it more sort of... They helped the story along and they gave sort of comedic beats when it needed it. It was really good. Really enjoyed it. I will say where Chris said this will benefit from a lack of audience, and I think a lot of other matches would suffer from a lack of audience, I think the commentary team at least made some of that up, some of that atmosphere we're missing with the crowd. I think the commentary team certainly um, improved that aspect of it. Um, This match got very, very intense. Um, We had Cody going through a table, um, having been DVD'd over the top rope. We had him being snap suplexed onto the... um, barricade which <laughs> Sean Spears had taken out of its like feet out of its holders and Jericho just turned to Shivani and went did you know they could do that I've got no idea they came out of the feet <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna use that um so that was quite a nice thing um Spears again looked really really good um the uh, frog splash always looks really good when Spears does it I think he does it very well especially a man of his size as well um just there was a couple of things 
that sort of griped me a little bit. <laughs> the first one was when is Cody going to get disqualified for using that fucking weight belt as a weapon? I was just going to mention that he used the weight, bench, the weight belt and it was like, is this a no DQ? Yeah, I mean, what the fuck is that? That's a weapon. That is a weapon. Why? You, I mean, you stopped Spears using the chair earlier on in the match. Why would you let Cody then use the weight belt? It's the same thing. Just because he comes into the fucking ring wearing it doesn't mean that he can use it. So if Sean Spears comes in wearing a chair necklace, does that mean that he can hit him with a chair? No. So they need to clarify that. That's something that really annoyed me. Um, and then after... Cody goes through the table and then beats the count. Why is Sean Spears not on him like a pack of wolves absolutely tearing into him instead of sitting there punching the floor like a petulant child? You know, the intensity was there had been laid out throughout the match and from the pre-match promos. Why on earth is Sean Spears then throwing a petulant tantrum when he has the best opportunity he had all match to pin Cody? It just it it made no booking sense. He's allergic. Sorry. He's allergic to what? Good storytelling. <laughs> um Cody then hits two of the crossroads, which for some reason they gave Sean Spears the kick out. I mean, it was two crossroads have put away so many people, but apparently Sean Spears is the person to kick out of two consecutive crossroads. I don't know why Sean Spears was given that, but there we are. Um, and then we had a really weird finish where Cody locks in the figure four um, on a leg that he hasn't worked over during this match. Just quickly point that out. And um, Spears doesn't tap out. His shoulders are down and he's counted as the pin. It was a very, very, That's very weird I've finish. Legitimately the weird, the only time I've ever seen that happen. I mean, all he had to do was sit up. And that sort of... Yeah. I mean, sometimes... I, to be fair, Rob, sometimes in the morning all I have to do is sit up. I find it really hard. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't got a championship opportunity at the end of it. You don't know that. That is true. That is true. Um, <laughs> you might well do. Fair play to you. Um, but overall, those are small nitpicks. Overall, I thought this was a really, really strong match. It was my match of the night. Um, and Sean Spears looked great. Looked really, really good. So Cody all, advances. I just realised that. We all had very different matches of the night. What was yours? Yeah. I, like the, I really liked the Kenny tag, um, tag match. Okay. Goth? Um, I think it was possibly a Sheeta-Baker match, but probably, maybe it's tied with this one, but I enjoyed the, the Sheeta match more for some reason. Oh, guys, it's so good when we disagree. <laughs> oh, <laughs> overall, not a bad show, basically. It's a big... It's a big departure from the last two weeks where me and you've just been agreeing on fucking everything. Yeah, Garth apparently brings out our uh, our conflict, our inner conflict, which is uh, <laughs> probably better content-wise. Um, anyway, so that was AEW Dynamite. Really good show overall. Um, some really, really 
interesting bits, some good matches, some excellent promos, and uh, really, really well shot promos. And Britt Baker got a little bit better, so everybody wins. <laughs> um, anyway, I think that brings this podcast episode to a screeching halt. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. You can, of course, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, don't forget to check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk. Um, you can find us on Twitter at, at Podmania, Facebook the same, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel at Real Podmania. You can talk to me on Twitter at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Uh, Garth, they can find you at Gothamania. Gothamania. Um, Chris, where can they find you? And Bushy. <laughs> and Bushy. Such a good one. I enjoy that. Um, until next week, folks, we'll talk to you guys again soon. So, interesting tidbit, I completely forgot to talk about the Brody Lee squash match, um, which went 1 minute and 25 um, seconds. It was against a guy called Lee Johnson, who I didn't even know was part of the AW roster. Is there anything to add about this, Chris? Um, I, I like Harper's clothesline. <laughs> he isn't I doing like, the uh, Sister like Abigail thing. Yeah, I like how he goes to his knee after a big beat, but I kind of, I, that's kind of different, and I like it. Garth, is there anything you want to add about this one minute twenty five squash that we missed? Uh, I mean, he hit a hit a pretty mean German, uh, and his big boss man slam. So yeah, pretty cool. The return like. of the boss man <laughs> slam. <laughs> so yeah, um, basically, ladies and gentlemen, that's just the. Proper end to the podcast because as I turned off the recording, I was like, oh, bollocks, we forgot to talk about Brody Lee. Um, so there you are. We've <laughs> talked about him now. So we'll talk to you guys again next week. Properly this time. I actually mean it this time. There's no more of this podcast. Don't wait around. We haven't forgotten any other matches. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook, at Podmania Podcasts and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.